Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Intersection Podcast, where we talk about life, culture, faith, and where they all intersect. I'm your host, Dominique, and I have a very special guest today, uh, Dr. Nika, who does race talks up in Harlem at the I2 Arts Collective, which I've worked with them before. I'm super excited to talk to you about your up-and-coming um, talk that's happening this Saturday. That's right. So exciting. Welcome to the Thank podcast. You. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So I guess before we even jump into this topic, which is um, impact versus intent, intent. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this work about around conversations around race. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you again for having me on the show. I'm really excited. It's my first time being here. Um, And so hello to all your amazing listeners. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Uh, So a little bit about me. I am a clinical psychologist by trade. um, And I've really, since I've gotten into the field of psychology, I've been committed to doing work around race and race relations. I feel like it's something that as a country, as a nation, as a society, we often skirt around. Um, And because we are trying to skirt around it, we never really get to talk about it in the way that can be productive and can be positive. Um, And so I, as a psychologist, firmly believe in the power of talking, right? I believe that healing comes when we talk and I think when it comes to issues of race, if we really want to see change, if we really want to see things resolve and improve, we have to be willing to talk about it. And so um, I really decided, well, I can do something about that. I can um, put my hat in the ring, so to speak, and try to cultivate a space um, and provide practical tools to people to help them to be able and willing to have these hard conversations about these hard topics. And so that's how Race Positive was born and Race Talks with Dr. Nika is just one of those ways that we're trying to seek um, to achieve that goal. Awesome, and Race Positive is your organization that exactly. sort of facilitated, facilitated exactly. these talks. Exactly, awesome. yeah. Very, very cool. And so, I mean, you did go into this a little bit, but sort of like, sort of expound on that idea of like why this isn't so important to have these talks, um, especially right now in a climate that's highly tense, has a lot to do with race and immigration. Um, tell me, like, expound a little bit more on like why. That Absolutely. Is. No, you're right. I think the thing is a lot of people often avoid having these conversations because one, they don't maybe see the reason why they're needed. You know, they'll think the civil rights bill was passed you guys can sit on the bus with me now for fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or people are like, I want to talk, but every time I do, it turns into a fight, into a shouting match. And I just can't deal with that. I don't want to get into it. So you have the sense of, I want to, but I don't know how, or I don't want to because I don't see why. And so both Race Positive and Race Talks with Dr. Nika, again, they were created to provide people a better understanding of why we need to have those talks, but also give them practical tools for how to navigate and initiate those conversations. And uh, through Race Talks with Dr. Nika, which is happening on Saturday, those one of those events where I wanted to create a space where people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, all points of views can come together, get off of the screens, you know, yes. stop fighting on Facebook. <laughs> um, no kind yes. of like, Say it to my face, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. But do it in a way that actually is productive, right? So it's not that 
We're coming to attack each other. We're not coming to sing kumbaya either. We're having honest, hard conversations, but we're doing it in a way that actually is positive. Positive meaning that you walk away feeling better than you came in. Positive meaning that I can see your humanity and your value and your God-given um, worth and still disagree with you, you know? Um, and productive in that I walk away having shared and expressed my views in ways that perhaps I haven't had the opportunity to in the past. I've walked away having understood a perspective that has never really been communicated to me as clearly as it was in this moment. Do you know? So, yeah. so we're being able to have really, really hard conversations about hard things, but in a manner that actually moves us forward and gets us toward uh, solutions. And um, one of the things I say just at the outset of every talk is about how we frame it. You know, that this is a space where we listen for understanding, right? Yes. And when we take that approach of listening for understanding, it automatically puts our defenses down because it's not about me getting my point across. It's not about me convincing you of anything. It's me really, I'm asking these questions because I just don't get it. Why would you possibly be okay with blank, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we listen for understanding, we really are here to say, I want to know how you see the world. And even if I don't agree with you, it will at least enable me to be better able to share space with you, to communicate with you, and to eventually collaborate with you, right? Yeah. Uh, so the way that I kind of laid out is I say, talking breeds understanding. Understanding builds empathy. Empathy builds collaboration. And it's through that collaboration that we actually achieve the change that we want. Oh, so we, that is beautiful. Right? So in order to get to that change, we have to start by talking. And that's yes. what we, we do here. We, we just talk. <laughs> that's amazing. That, like, just that sequence of, you know, just a conversation that can lead to eventually collaborating. Because it's, like, also that, that weird part of, like, we all want change. We all want to see something different of this world. And it's, yeah. like, at some point you have to be on level ground to, like, even have that so that is yeah that's a beautiful thing what has been sort of with that what has been the most eye-opening thing that you've seen during one of these talks like have you seen people genuinely sort of open up or um like maybe not have their mind changed but are like more open like what has been that thing that you were like wow I like I see the impact of this in real time yeah that's a great question and I really you know when I think about it, the, the initial response that comes to mind is I always expected it to be powerful and I always expected it to be something that was worth worth doing. And I've seen that. And so I've had that sort of faith um, kind of reinforced, you know, in the talks. What I what I will say, is not that it's been surprising or eye opening, but really beautiful, perhaps to see. Um, it's just a way in which people are just there to, to be with each other. Right. People have been so honest and so open about their shortcomings they've confessed right people have confessed things about themselves about their loved ones um and those confessions i've seen them be embraced i've seen them be appreciated i've seen them be supported rather than judged or maligned and that is so beautiful and so powerful to see um and it, it just it's almost as if there's an energy shift in the room when you just see people coming uh, alongside each other rather than me like you you thought what <laughs> yeah 
your father said what? Oh my goodness, no, you know, but it's really been more of a, wow, I, I okay, thank you for saying that, because I never, I've always wondered why people do that, but no, that's really helpful, thank you for saying that, you know, um, and I've seen them ask each other questions, you know, I just let them go, I, you know, I really I don't try to micromanage the discussion, I always come prepared with things to talk about or points that I want to want to raise or try to elicit conversation. So there's structure always, but I trust the process. Again, that goes back to my work and my day job, right? I let it be what it needs to be. Um, and so just letting people sort of like say, wait, hold on, you said what again? Like, tell me, say that one more time. Or I've always wondered why when people say that, but that makes sense now, you know? So I've seen those sorts of things happen. Um, and that's really, really, really beautiful to see. Uh, and I always walk away having learned something too. Um, wow. We had a talk back in December um, and the conversation at that time was about Colin Kaepernick. And we were asking, is he a patriot or is he a traitor? Like that was our, our headline oh. talk, right? And we had a packed room. I think we had just about every background represented um, in the room except Native Americans, which we're working on. One day we will have Native Americans in the room. Um, but we were talking and someone had made a point and they were saying how, um, well, perhaps one of the reasons people are so upset about his kneeling is because for some, football is like a religion. You yeah. know, it's taken so deeply and so personally that the football field and that stadium is like going to church and you doing anything that feels like a desecration of that space feels wrong it feels offensive regardless of the reason behind it you know now we still had sort of disagreements about whether or not that was enough to sort of do what people have been doing to colin kaepernick and um and trying to attack his character and his movement and all that. But that perspective was something I never considered. I never considered that for someone football, which I just see as a pastime, would be so personal and so deep that it could evoke such visceral reactions in people that that they would just get as upset as they do, you know? Um, so like just hearing, right? So just hearing that perspective, it's a little wild. And you're like, wait, but it makes sense. It does. It makes a little bit of sense, you know? So just even being able to have that um, for me as a participant, as well as a facilitator, I think it just helps it to be uh, really worth doing. It was, it's worth all the, all the effort to get it up and running just to have those moments. Yeah. I would keep doing it in a heartbeat. Wow. That's, that's really beautiful. And I guess um, to sort of go with this specific topic, um, because uh, there's also another question I want to ask you about specifically having to facilitate these conversations. Yeah. Um, is it hard to do? Like, do you feel like, like, do you go into it with like an open mind or is like, like, what is that? What is that like, like the whole time when you're <laughs> in that space of like, there's a lot of tension or, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you feel in those spaces? Honestly, it's, um, it feels like group therapy. Right. Or, or it feels like couples therapy. <laughs> right. Because everyone comes in with their own agendas and everyone's got their own viewpoints and everyone thinks they're right. I would imagine even if they don't say I'm right, they probably think that they're right. Right. Um, 
And in couples therapy, one, you know, one of the, the things I learned early in my training when I was doing that was my focus and my client is the relationship. Anything that dares to harm this relationship is something I'm going after. So I am not siding with the with partner over mm -hmm. that partner. It's more like what you just said does damage to my client. Let's talk about that. What you just did does damage to my client. Let's talk about that. And so as long as I'm clear about who my client is, then I feel sort of able to challenge and support and align and point things out because at the end of the day, it's about making this relationship healthy, right? Yeah. And so in a similar way, I go into these talks. My goal here is to bring clarity. My goal here is to um, have this be an honest, productive conversation where people are able to voice opinions that may not be popular. And I even say that in the beginning. I say, if you think that your opinion here is too out there or too much in the minority um, to share, you especially, I want to have share your opinion because you may have a thought that none of us have considered and that's a thought we need to hear. And so if you think that your thought is just a little too much and no one's gonna agree, all the more I employ you to please share it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think with that mindset then, I don't feel the need to control every aspect or everything that's said. I mean, well, if someone like starts saying something that sounds a little bit off the reservation, there's a part I think naturally that you're like, please don't say anything too, like, you know, that yeah. we have to kind of clean up. Um, but I, I don't stop it. I just let it be what it is. And, and then using my clinical skills, using, um, you know, my own background and my own training, I just create that space where even if something sort of outlandish is said, I invite the room to sit with it, right? Mm -hmm. I invite the room to let's think about what you're feeling, what's coming up for you in this moment. Um, let's talk more about why you see the way that you see a person who just said this thing, you know, because again, we want to listen for understanding. We're not here to attack you, nor are we here to just, you know, be complicit and agree with everything in an effort to be nice. We want to understand, we want to learn. So if it's about that, then the 50 questions that I have written down to ask, I, I find I told I tend to get to two. <laughs> Wow. You know, like I don't really get, I have like all these questions and all these points. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one to bring up. And I've got these, you know, these thoughts that I want to share, but I'm very mindful of not dominating the space. It's not, it's not at the, you know, the Dr. Nika show, even though my name's on the, the title, it's really, I am here to create this space so we can talk openly. So I encourage people to use each other's names. Don't say, oh, the guy in the back, what's his name? He's a person. Let's recognize his value. You know, yes. um, look at him when you're talking to him. You don't have to filter any of it through me. Talk to each other. That's what this space is for, you know? So I really encourage them to talk to each other. And I am there um, to sort of step in if I feel like uh like something needs to be summarized or be rephrased in a way that brings clarity to the room or moves the conversation forward. That's kind of how I see my role as being. But I really want it to be about them and their space and having this honest talk. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it feels a lot. It's a dance that I do, but not one that I'm unfamiliar with. I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely feels familiar. Very, very cool. So I guess now we're gonna switch into the actual topic of this mm -hmm. this next talk um and it's 
the whole idea around this one is around intention versus impact. Yeah. Um, and I guess the first question I should ask is what is intention and then what is impact? So I define intention as what you meant to communicate. So what you meant to do, what you meant to say, and impact is what you actually did and what you actually said, right? Yes. And so often I think that what happens is when communication is effective, our intent and our impact are one and the same, yes. right? Um, when it's not effective, and that's often the situation when race is involved, our impact and our intent are not the same. And I think being able to sort of um, have a conversation about those differences can really help uh, move again, move the conversation forward, but also help heal some of the hurt and the misunderstanding that can come up a lot of the time. Because what I think will happen is that we can get focused on one or the other. So we'll start thinking of, well, that wasn't my intent. I completely negate the impact that we just had on a person. And because our intent was good, we feel like their outrage or anger or hurt about the impact we had on them is unjustified, right? Yeah. Or we'll do the opposite where we completely ignore the intent of the person that it was well-meaning or that they are of good quality and good character. And we just focus on, well, what you did and what you said, and we just focus on the impact that was had. And I think both are necessary, you know? Yeah. And it also, I think, goes beyond the interpersonal. It's also in a systemic level. You know, there are policies and there are laws that are made perhaps well-intentioned, you know, whether to resolve a social problem like crime or something like that, but the impact that it's had on communities, on families, particularly those of color, are quite negative. And so we can't just, you know, focus on, well, what I said, what you said, we also have to look at it a little bit more holistically. So, um, so yeah, so I would just say intent is what you meant to communicate, what you meant to do, and impact is what actually happened. Yeah. Wow, that's going to be a very enlightening talk. Um, <laughs> and especially to think of like how, like how many people typically come into this space to have these talks. So we have a, we average about 25, 30 people. That's a lot of people yeah, to have. And we're hoping, like, I'm hoping like to get like, you know, keep the number going and to make it bigger. But, you know, schedules and, and availability is also a thing. So I can never really predict what it's going to be. But um, but yeah, that's that's been our, our, our number. But we'll see. Hopefully it's it's more. And your yeah. listeners are welcome to come and help it be more. <laughs> yes, we're going to give you all that info at the end. But I do have one last question. Please. Um, how can people be more aware of, of creating positive intention and impact? Because they are linked, um, even when we don't expect, we don't, we don't in, you know, intend for them to be. Yeah. Um, so how can people always think forward to, to create positive intention and impact in, at a systemic level, but even yeah. at the interpersonal level? Um, in relationship with people that you work with or that you do life with, that sort of thing. Right. Well, one of the things, um, this comes up, I think in our last talk, we had another one back in March, and we were talking a little bit about microaggressions, right? And how you could say, where are you from to maybe an African-American person um, in New York? And it'd be just like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn, or actually my family, we immigrated from Trinidad and Tobago, right? Um, 
But you say that same question to an Asian person living in Brooklyn, and that could be microaggressive, right? Because there's this sort of alien in their own land, racial microaggression that's often present where Asians are not considered full Americans. They're always seen as foreigners, even if they've been born here and have been here for generations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone's like, well, I feel like I can't say anything because if I say anything, then I'm offending somebody and I don't know who I'm offending. So you can't even talk anymore, you know? So that's, you kind of get this exacerbated, um, as that exasperated feeling of, Oh, I'm just gonna be quiet and live in a room. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and so I push back by saying, well, you don't know what's in anyone's mind and you don't know anyone's history. And and you're right, you cannot be expected to know what you don't know. Um, and the same with intent, right? You can have the best of intentions, but I don't know what anyone's activators are. And mm-hmm. I could simply say, hey, how you doing? And for you, that feels like the worst thing I could have done because you were having a bad day already and here I come asking you another question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so outside of being able to be telepathic, I think what we can do is um, we can be aware of our history, right? So if I'm aware that Asians have historically been treated as aliens in their own land and I don't want to come across as microaggressive to another person, perhaps I might say, hey, my name is Dr. Nika. I live in Brooklyn and my family immigrated here from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, where are you from? Right. I've sort of outed myself and kind of said what I who I am, and what I'm looking for from you. And then you have permission to say to me, oh, I'm from Brooklyn, always Brooklyn. And you know what I mean, yeah, and that's the end of that. But if I start off with saying, hey, where are you from? Then that person may either just say Brooklyn or they may be like, why? What do you what do you mean by that? Right. Yeah, and then yeah. it turns into something else. So. So I would just say be a little bit aware as much as you can. You don't know everything, but be aware of the history and about some of the the social factors that could color things. Um, And when possible, speak with that awareness. Um, On the other end, if you do step into a landmine that you didn't know was a landmine, just own it. Right. I would just simply say, I'm. you know what, actually, I wasn't even aware of that or I hadn't considered that. And I apologize. That really wasn't my intent. Can you help me understand um, why that was offensive or help me understand how you see it? Because that's not at all where my brain went or how I was thinking about this situation. Do you know? Yeah. Um, like I recently saw just today, I think Kim Kardashian, she put out like this new solution aware thing. Um, like these spanks really is what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, she women. needs spanks. Like what? <laughs> exactly. But she's like, but she calls it solution wear, and she was calling it a kimono because her name is Kim. Oh, and I heard about this. Right. So there's been all this outrage because it feels like cultural appropriation of Japanese culture. And um, I just read like a little statement, and this is not about like Kim Kardashian at all. My whole point is not about her. But she read a statement. Her statement basically talked about. Um, wanting to listen and the fact that she she and, and her team never considered that and she's not quite sure how or why they never considered that but now that they have they're actively working on changing the name right mm-hmm. and so i think from the little bit but i don't know the whole situation but that seems like an appropriate response to me right to attack somebody who's saying i didn't know but thank you for informing me and with this new information i'm going to make a change for you to attack that person i think you're the one with the issue you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you just leave it with them. 
because you can't make anybody feel or do or think what they don't want to feel, do or think. So to your listeners, I would say if you're in a situation, when possible, speak with the knowledge that you have in mind, right? With that awareness of culture, awareness of background. If you don't know something, say you don't know, say this may sound like a dumb question or tell me if this is coming across weird, but this is what I was thinking. And invite that person to give you information. And once you have that information, act with, in accordance with it. If you've stepped on a landmine without meaning to, own that you stepped in that landmine, and then again, act to be educated. Because it's really hard to be a jerk to someone who's saying, teach me. You know, it's really hard to be a jerk to someone who's saying, teach me. Yeah, because that means like, in some way, their mind is open to correcting or learning. Exactly, yes. exactly. So now that you've heard a little bit more about this, tell us how people can sign up and come to your event. Um, yeah, give us all the details. Absolutely. So it is happening this Saturday, July 13th. And as Dominique said, it's going to be at the Langston Hughes House, which is in Harlem. It's 20 East 127th between Madison and 5th. Um, and you can register, you can get your tickets online. You can go to www.dranika, that's D-O-C-T-O-R-A-N-I-C-A, uh, com, and you can just click on the blog uh, tab and you'll just see the link right there and you can just buy your tickets. Or if you didn't get a chance to do that, you can just show up on the day. We sell tickets at the door and we would welcome any and everybody who shows up. So feel free to do that too. That is awesome. And is that where the only place I can find you on the internet? Are there other places that you share your work? Yeah. So I post videos and uh, images and all that stuff all the time on my social media account. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's dr underscore Anika, A-N-I-C-A. That's my handle on Instagram. It's at Dr. Anika on Twitter. Um, same on LinkedIn and same on Facebook. So you can Go, Dr. Nico. I spelled the word out, D-O-C-T-O-R, um, on those other sites. But on Instagram, it's just D-R underscore Anika. And you'll find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Um, even I learned so much. Like, <laughs> I just love that, that sequence earlier. I was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> we need, like, the whole, the steps, like, how we eventually get to collaboration and change, which... I think is that at this point is very much needed. Um, and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would like you to like, subscribe, share. Please come out to the event um, and support Dr. Nika. This is this is great work um, and that we need more of building bridges. Um, we'll be back here soon. You can follow us at The Intersect Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at theintersectionpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to respond to this um, episode or uh, have any more ideas. And we look forward to listening to another episode soon. Bye. Bye.